Welcome to the Battleground of the Gods. Welcome, challengers, to Battleground of the Gods, a Smite podcast. And today we have a special episode. We're going over HRX. Um, I've I have a few guests with me. Uh, this is Willow one seven seven one. Depp, Nev, Fro, and Bryce are all gone this week. Um, so I brought in a couple friends to uh, help me review. Uh, I'm going to welcome back LHS. Hello, everybody. And J. Mac Tucker. I don't know who that guy is. Who is he? Who even? It's crazy <laughs> Steve. Um, well, God. Since, since, you, since nobody knows who you guys are, even though you've been on the show before, why don't you remind everybody who you are? Go ahead, LHS. Uh, I'm a washed up personality in the smite scene. I, uh, do, I do a podcast. I think technically I've been doing like the longest running podcast technically, but nowhere. Yeah. But you do, you do the esports. Yeah. I do the esports side of things. So it's a little bit different. So I focus uh, around the battleground more on uh, all the competitive stuff. So from SPL to combine to minor league to console, whatever, talk about it all. Uh, and then do player interviews, things like that. Uh, and then I also coach on the side and, you know, generally just be washed up and unknown in the community. That's, that's where I kind of like slide into these days. Nice. Uh, and J Mac, what do you do? Who are you? Uh, I yell into a microphone and talk about people whenever they're playing Mostly the game. Mostly college people. Mostly college people. Mostly college people. Uh, I'm known as the college caster, pretty much. Uh, I, I pretty much solely focus on college and amateur casting, whether that be, you know, SML, SC, uh, uh, Combine, not SCL. God, I can't think anymore. Uh, combine, stuff like that. You know, I focus on the lower end of Smite, not the tippy-top professional stuff yet. Trying for it. We'll see. One day, maybe. Who knows? Maybe by the time this comes out, psych. Uh, <laughs> um, there is an open position. I know. I've already sent it in. Anyways, um, <laughs> but on top of that, uh, I've gotten to cast. Uh, I've gotten to work on the HRX desk before at placements last year, and I've done the two college finals at HRX these last two years with uh, Anatolia. I got to cast the last set with Anatolia. It was a lot of fun. That was his last set of actual casting, and I got nice. to I got to share it with him. That's pretty awesome. Uh, all right, so we're going to do, similar to the roundtable that we did at MSI, um, we're going to go over a bunch of uh, questions about all of HRX games. Um, next week, the HRX review of the event review coming from all the other hosts that actually got to attend. Sadly, I did not make it. Um, all the other hosts are going to sit down. Uh, they, from what I have gathered, have a pretty special guest um, that's returning for a review of HRX. So look out for that one next week. Uh, but before we move on, I got to thank our Patreons. Uh, Danny Boy, our new newest Patreon. Uh, Bombi. Uh, Lantern, Blaze. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting this backwards. These are not the thank yous that I thought they were. These are the thank yous for the community episodes last week. Um, they stepped up and helped us out because most of the hosts were at HRX. Um, we offered some community members a chance to put out some content for us. So Danny Boy, Bombi, Lantern, Blaze, and Stofmeister all stepped up and uh, helped us out with uh, creating some content. They're about an hour long each. There's two different ones. Danny and Blaze sat down and chit-chatted a little bit, and then Bombi, Lantern, and Stof 
got together and chatted a little bit as well. There's also some Battle U content in there, so enjoy that. Uh, and then I want to thank all the fans that stopped by the HRX meetup or ran into us at whatever events the hosts were at and just appreciating them and uh, their warm th or welcomes to uh, the hosts. Um, but let's get into the meat and potatoes. We had a world's finals that was crazy. All uh, there was eight teams went into it, and we we crowned a victor at the end. Uh, what was your overall review of the tournament, guys? What are your thoughts, feelings? I'm actually glad that they've changed the format over these last couple of years to just bringing the top eight in. A lot of people complained about the lack of double elimination for that, even though the placements had a double elim, but also placements were not the top end teams. Like these are the teams that earned their right to be at the top of it. And I think that not having double elimination is fine. People need to stop complaining about that. Um, I wish everything was best of five the whole way, but it'd be impossible. It had to be a yeah. four it had to be a four day event at that rate, just for the fact oh, that easily. quarterfinals would, you know, take forever. It had to be two, 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 and then one or something like that. Um, but overall, the competition was really good. The only set of the quarterfinals that didn't go all three games was rival Sanguine, as to be expected. Uh, yeah. I, I think this was An some... SML team with a sub. <laughs> I think that this was one of the best, one of the better years of competition that we've had. Um, I was almost expecting it to be one of those like years where the semifinals were infinitely better than the grand finals, but they ended up kind of like evening out with each other, I think, because we had a 3-0 and then a 3-2 and then a 3-1 for the final. Uh, overall, I think the tournament was really good. It was a really enjoyable watch. I think I only missed maybe like like a majority of one set because I was out just like running the booths because, yeah, DreamHack yeah. booth running. Let's go. I missed I missed a little bit on Friday because I was still at work, Um it was the SK splice set. I missed game two, which was apparently the good game. I went back and watched it. It was very good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought I agree. I think the the tournament was played out well. I'm glad they got rid of double elimination. I think it dragged on worlds at times, and then you're just waiting for semis to make a, an impact. Um, but I and I agree that the competition level was was what it needed to be. And I liked that they gave placements, the double limb, brought in all those teams, giving them a shot to, to make a run. Look at Sanguine. They bring in a sub to placements and make a huge run all the way to Worlds as a LATAM SML team with a sub. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I disagree completely. What major esport doesn't have double elimination in the world champ? they all have double elim there's so much dead time and p part of it is they like smite does share the stage with paladins now so like they that factors in but i mean smite didn't start until three on the last day something like that and then like it was like one o'clock the, the, the day before there's there's so much room to do games if they wanted to go that route and i think how much better would it, I mean, you would have had like a, a, fi, a loser's bracket where Sanguine would play Pittsburgh Knights. I would have loved to seen that. See, like get a better measurement of those teams. We would have gotten Splice versus United. Also could have been a good one. You know, uh, 
dig could have got knocked down and played i don't know i i i'm a fan of more games and the fact that like we weren't going to best of fives all the way through kind of like puts the emphasis more on that uh having there is no better hype for like a world's run than when like the losers bracket team comes up and like goes through a win resets the bracket and everything like that is some of the hypest moments in esports history across the board and the fact that like, we kind of get denied that is a little a little wonky I, I understand why they do it. It's still like, I do think that an infinitely better system is, you know, a, a better planned world overall with like stage times and you know, where everybody is, but having that double elimination, I loved placements for that reason. And a lot of people love placements. Their biggest criticisms was it lasted too long. Well, it's worlds like that. It's supposed to last a while. We're supposed to be getting our money's worth. I think the only the, the only possible way that they can make that work though is to make HRX placements and HRX literally two weeks long. Like that's the only answer to making that a possibility because of not just, you know, the fact that they share the stage, it's also, you know, the venue. H uh, you know, Dreamhack is only three days long. So they only have three days to fit all okay. of their stuff into. It, it's it's you know it's a shame that we don't have all of our pro teams located in one central area that we have access to that they could play those games before we get to like semifinals or whatever to have an intro into our world's run i mean you know it's a shame they that we don't have that don't have the staff to manage that many games that long of a time frame like being there at placements last year, I have a little bit more like see like seeing how that whole operation runs behind the scenes. Placements are on average an eight to ten hour day straight, and sometimes they go longer. And, and we one did day that it was it was twelve. Yeah, the the one placements day, and not only that, I mean think about it. They were up till midnight on the second day yeah. because Paladins went seven games and six games, and then it was even with a three zero on the on the smite side for the first one. Five games, bringing it to past midnight on day number two. Then you think about placements. When I was there, it was six, no shorter than like eight and a half to ten hour days. Whenever I, I was mean, there last League year. League of Legends Worlds lasted a whole ass month. They yeah, also they had the staff. They have the staff <laughs> for that. But they also broke it up. Like, it, I think one of the Smite's biggest problems is just planning and scheduling. Like, you're saying all these things that, like, based off of, like, what they do currently. Like, what... I, Obviously, what I'm saying would require some changes like you could do the week before and have like have that whole week set up. We're going to do games from here to here, here to here. Like you could break that out better. Like they could plan. Are you ahead. suggesting they just do? Are you suggesting they just do semis and like uh, play the losers bracket champion? Yeah. You, Dreamhack? You, you, like, that's all you play? Yeah. Dreamhack. Utilize Dreamhack for, like, the actual bigger matches. Do, like, the first round. Like, that's what League does. League does all these other lands. Like, like they what they traveled around to, like, every country and then had their grand finals all in just one big place for a big event. I think there's, like, there's a lot to do. There's a lot more you can do with the Smite World Championships to make it better. And then, like, you don't have... You have people watching and invested for longer across the week and it builds more hype for worlds because you're like you have more storylines going in you there's upsets there's there's so much more um what's the word i'm looking for there's uh 
God, I, I, this is escaping me right now. The nuance. There's more nuance to the games and the sets that are happening. I think the biggest complaint that people had this year, and it's one thing that they remedied immediately with uh, what we'll talk about later with Season 7, is that everything yeah. this year was best of five, and then quarterfinals was their best of three. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah. I think that was the thing that people were most kind of like not on board with was oh man well these are only best of three but they've literally played best of fives all season like why are these just best of threes i think that now that they're talking about going back to best of threes will make the best of threes like still as impactful as regular game se uh regular season games as opposed to like well regular season was five games we've seen teams you know go down 2-0 and bring it all the way back or whatnot but you know, go down one, come back two games, and then have another two this way. Uh, just I think the only set that that, like, the best of three set effect had on any set was the SK Splice set. Although I think Splice, or SK had all the motivation and all the, the, the hype behind them. Like, they were ready to play it. If they needed to play two more games, they could have won that. But splice could have also come back and won the next two games and won that set that i think that's the only one out of all the the quarterfinals that that best of three effect happened you know what i mean i'm not saying that we can't ever do double elimination for grant for for worlds i mean it hasn't been done ever from what i from what i can remember i don't think there's ever been a double elimination in the main worlds um the placements have kind of been that supplement. They've heavily improved placements from what it first began. Yeah, where it was super regionals just, was bad. Okay, our lower seed, our lower, uh, yeah, like between super regionals and then like, oh, hey, here's all of our, you know, other region teams that are going to come in and face against the teams who went, who won super regionals and blah, blah, blah. And then now we can have them go against our top seeds. I think that has drastically improved over the years. It's for sure in the best. Remember the year they did mm -hmm. Gauntlet? We don't talk about that year. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um this is a hundred percent the best year that we've had so far for I placements agree. in worlds uh placements brought in an immense amount of hype coming into worlds not saying that they can't further improve worlds and that they can't you know add some extra time and stuff like that but they have to add the manpower to do so because with now only four casters they're just trying to figure out how the hell they're going to get through a regular season right. more than anything because with four people, that's literally you stick two on desk and two on cast, and then you flip them the next game, and you do that every day right, that for rough. three days. That's going to be daunting on them. Because when I was there for placements, and, and and I'll share what my role at placements last year was. My role was give somebody a break for a day. I was on desk all but I think one set at placements, and the one set that I wasn't on there, you know, it was you know whatever. But I was on the desk every single day, every single set, except for like day six, the like the second or first set or something like that. My my goal and job being there was two people on cast, two people on desk, two people off. Since I was there, they didn't have to fill an extra slot. And then when they threw a pro, uh, throw a pro player in there, well, now you only need three people. And then you know how you have other rotating casters throughout the time. That that was what you need. When you have five, six, seven people there, you can give a couple of people a break for a day, for the day, and then it allows you to you know flip around what you need. 
Whereas opposed to now with them only having four, they literally, when it comes to, you know, obviously they're looking to bring more people on. They have the application out there for it. And also people who are applying, remember, it does say one to four years of experience. And that doesn't mean you sitting on Twitch, casual casting with your friends over a combine game. That means legitimate <laughs> casting experience. I do want to like preface that because that's one thing that I, I saw in there. I'll throw my one little bit of clout for it. Make sure you have actual casting experience because they need real and good help out there because it's going to be a really harsh season with a small, small yeah, staff. there's a lot of games. Well, not only that, when we get to Season 7 changes, they're going to be condensing a lot of stuff into only a couple days. Yeah, I think they made it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two best of threes every day or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk more onto it then. But yeah, they... At their current state, they don't have the staff to go more than what they are already doing. Because by the time placements ends and they're getting into HRX DreamHack, it's only you know five or six days of a break before they have to hop straight back in. And a lot of their voices haven't recovered. That's why Hindu Man and FDOT, their voices are dead by the time they get to Grand Finals Day. Because they've just been going for so long and so hard that whole time. I also feel like with that, though, like when we have events and like they just utilize your talent better uh and not the talent in-house but like your pros right which they do most of the time so like during placements they brought in slaney they brought in kabam right so i really enjoyed that and then worlds we always have like the guest analyst spots right i feel like that is something that they could utilize and lean on a lot more um obviously it's not a 100 percent fix it's a you know you're putting a patch over a bigger issue and so they definitely need to hire more like on staff people, but utilize the community a little bit better. Um, I mean, you've got not only do you have all the pros there, but then you just you do have multiple community members around that area in Atlanta, too. And especially everybody getting there for worlds. Right. There's there's a lot of talent to tap and bring people in. Um, but, you know, I think I think we've kind of beat the that horse to death. Um, I want to go back to, you know, I, I think I think one of the biggest storylines for this year has, and J-Mac said it, uh, this has been, like, I, I think our best competitive year. Like, the, the, the teams have, like, been the strongest I think they've ever been, uh, and the quality of matches and games went up. Uh, I think I personally, for how good the year has been competitively, was disappointed by Worlds and how lackluster the the games kind of felt from a quality standpoint um like analytically watching this and i and i do i i do have to go back and rewatch to like see if i my gut feeling is right but like upon first watching my initial reactions was i feel like there was like just a lot of mistakes and especially like pick bands and like strategy that teams weren't making prior to this event and that kind of put a damper on me is enjoying like i think i enjoyed this world's a little like on par with like season four worlds where united just like 3-0 stomped everybody and it wasn't fun i don't know am i i might just be crazy and i might have like a unrealistic standard for what i think worlds could be I think there was some a lot of great sets. I think there was a couple stomps. Sadly, Sanguine, that I'm so glad that they, they made it. it they realized they're on the map. They realized their place. They re exactly. Uh, they are. They got two would stomped by Rival, and Rival didn't even pick a Warrior or Guardian in game one. They picked 
two assassins, two mages, and a hunter and slap them. Yes, Sanguine felt the fire of what a top team who who comes out, not just like who comes out to play, but also respects their opponents. Like that's one thing yeah. I will say about Rival is they generally do show that respect towards their opponents, even if they are on the lower end. Um, and the times that they don't, it shows, you know, if they're just like, oh, you know, it's you know, whatever. It's the, it's, you know, eighth ranked team or something like that. We have nothing to worry about. And then they lose a game or two and they're like, okay, maybe we need to step it back up. In that first game, they came out guns blazing saying, all right, we know how good you are. Let's see how good you really are. Yeah. Um, other than that set. I think all the sets but they, were at least I don't feel like they should have been. I think like I hated that Pittsburgh Knights and I, Dignitas I set. Agree. That was a horrible set to watch analytically. Dignitas just failed to execute okay. across the board. And it was so frustrating to watch. I We'll get into that set specifically because you know you guys know that I'm a dig a dig fanboy. I love Tricks Kivo variety. I love that team. I'm very sad that Ataraxia is retiring, but I understand why. We'll get into that when we get to the bracket breakdown. But I still think that you got to give credit to Roe and PK because they put in the grind to get to looking at at least the level that they played at up to that point. Roe put in work. You can't take away the fact that he played Cerberus and showed up. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I I agree. I mean, you know, he was looking like a Yorm one trick, and they took that away and said, okay, beat us with something else. He, he played the Serb. He, he, he played it very well. Did. But again, I and I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll get into that set, and I have, like, I don't want to take away from Roe, but I, I think it was more dig than Roe in the reason why PK won. Uh, and I, I feel like, like, like that is my, like, sentiment, like, across the board. I feel like Splice made a ton of uncharacteristic mistakes i think renegades made a ton of uncharacteristic mistakes uh, dig did the thing where like they looked like they learned their lesson and like oh we we do need to like prioritize early game and not just think we're better than everybody and then they got to land and were like no we are just better than everybody and can out team fight anyone and they completely let early game slip away from them and then they get stomped and then renegades move away from their game plan and rival in the finals move away from the game plan i just felt like there was a, it was lackluster team performances that led to sk winning and i don't want to take away from sk winning because i love the fact that sam and neil got a ring but it it felt like they weren't as challenged as they should have been i don't know it, and that's a weird thing to say but like watching these sets there was so much sloppy play across the board all right since you bring up sk let's move into that sk come from seventh seed at throughout the season they they have a couple rough sets here and there they lose to the top end teams they're looking like they're they're i don't want to say they're bottom half because the way the spl broke down it was like three bottom teams and everybody else but they were definitely the lower mm -hmm. end of the middle right that's it then i'd say for those three what? just really hitting i'd say that the bottom three was more like a bottom like one and a half for the first split or it was like a bottom three yeah. for the first split and then it became like a bottom one one and a half the second split 
Yeah. Mm, I don't I think LG Obey but anyway, ever they, were really dangerous. When they finally put Lasber in a role that he's actually good yep. at, you see an immense amount of improvement from those teams. And um, Obey getting a mid laner that is a mid laner and knows how to play around the mid lane. We went really from we went from player. like LG Obey SSG taking nothing off of anybody in the upper half of the brat, like Except upper half of the SPL. <laughs> no, the, like literally the upper half was untouched oh, by yeah, those yeah. teams, and then like. It was a game or two off of like the the sixth and seventh seeds, and then between themselves is where it was more competitive. To LG and Obey taking games off of Rival, Dig, PK, Renegades, these players. I think if they had those at the start of the season, I also this would have been an extremely competitive. I, I also think end, that all of those top end teams let picks slide through to see how they could play against them against bottom end teams. Which I respect that. I mean, it, it's them right. wanting I to just, improve themselves. But at the same time, you can't discredit anything that those teams do because even though they let them through, they now have to live with what they've done. And if they and you know if they realize themselves, hey, maybe we can't play against that. Right now, you know, I, I now, get that, know, and that's like the point of doing through. it. But, but I, those, what, my point being is, I don't really think that Obey and LG were ever in any serious contention to like threaten top teams. I think top teams played down to them and let them have a little bit of room and experimented more than they should have, and that's why they dropped games. I don't think it was because Obey and LG suddenly like we're putting it together i think they they were the same quality that they were in the first split maybe a little bit more on the same page no no they were no they were definitely better than going into the second split but we're we're not here to talk about them anymore <laughs> i think yeah i i do think that the season seven changes will affect how that plays out but back to sk they come into placements as the top seed in placements um and they look clean they didn't lose a set. They lost a couple games, yes. But none of them, none of the games or sets that they played, they looked out of place. They looked prepared and ready to, to play. And they they get first seed. They smack Sanguine that last game. I know it didn't really mean much, but at the same time, they look like the better team and they look like they deserve first seed. Now, there was a lot of speculation about taking the loss in that set so that they could face rival in quarters instead of splice because every single every analyst said splice is gonna win this you know what i mean like all of them were like splice they look so good they look clean they have all this um momentum they're coming into worlds hot and ready to go and sk lose game one of quarters and everybody's like oh this is a quick 2-0 it's done and they turn around and smack Splice in the face. I is it was it Sam that popped off on was he for yeah. that game? Game two. Yeah, he was Thor. He went six one and up. seven. Yeah, he popped off and so did Neil. Neil did was, now was the Neil, Neil uh, he played Bacchus. Oh, Bacchus, that's right. He also popped off. Like, they looked really clean game two, and everybody goes, ah, oh, Splice just fucked up. They'll win game three. And SK came out and was prepared for game three, and they took a set off the team that everybody was saying was going to win this, this tournament. If you ask all the casters, if you ask all the community analysts, all the people, they were saying Splice or Renegade's arrival are easily winning this tournament. And you want to know who SK beat throughout the tournament? Splice and Renegades and Rival. <laughs> they beat all of the teams that everybody was 
calling as the easy winners. Any thoughts? The last game. Let's just go over what Splice played in their elimination game against SK. They played Freya, Horus, Vulcan, Thor, and Tyr. Why Vulcan gets picked up there? No idea. Why Freya? I, I, Freya was a contested pick. I just I don't I don't see it there still. I think they put a little too much into Cyclone. And then again, Belair played Achilles. Shocker. Paul played Merlin. I just I Splice wasn't prepared. I think that's what largely what it comes down to. I and. I don't think that I think the the nerves finally caught up to Solar Retro. Solar Retro has been a great player. I think he finally yeah, b- was brought back down to reality a little bit in this set. He yes. showed that he was a rookie. And I think that, that cost them a lot. I also think Scream was brought back down to reality. And I don't know. The the way you beat S- the way you beat Splice has been the same for the last 2 years. You negate the side lanes and make their 3v3 beat you that's how uh they that's how they lost at msi that's how they've been losing solar troll and cyclone were both completely taken out of the equation and then sam paul and neil completely just ran over scream vanine new and aurora i i i think that when sk play perfectly when they play to their strengths, they have the best 3v3 in the game. Sam, Paul, Neil are ridiculous. And I don't think anybody can... I don't think anybody surpasses them in that 3v3. Maybe equals, but nobody surpasses. And then as long as Belair and Zap don't feed or don't lose lane or anything like that, they have a really good shot at you know being competitive. And Splice just couldn't match any of that pressure and what they were able to do again i i just i look at I, the vulcan pick for vin like vin's always been that one guy who like either is feast or famine and he just was completely silent in that first set and was not impressed and he couldn't play safe he couldn't play safe on that yeah vulcan. not at all Sam Sam and Neil literally negated him by running at him on a regular basis, and Paul just got way ahead. And the vault, like the reason why the the Kukulkan was working when it was, is because he was playing it to help boost um, Cyclone. You know, it, build, building Spear Magus, being that area denial, like allowing allowing Cyclone to carry. He couldn't do that on the Vulcan. He got shut down in game two. Like he he was a non factor in game Man, two absolutely. and game three. And really that's that's what I think led to their loss. I think it was a combination between Vin and Scream. They both just had non factor performances and then Solar Troll is a rookie. Exactly. And at the world stage could not yeah could not get that oomph that it factor he lost that and was just he he played like how i thought belair would play if i'm being completely honest exactly but belair has that pedigree of 
playing just average all season and showing up in big tournaments and making plays. And guess what? This was another performance like that. He had an average season. He Everybody was saying, oh, he's just, it's just scary D again. He's going to be average. And then at Worlds, in placements, he shows up. I don't think he did anything crazy in placements. But it, at Worlds, when they gave him Achilles, he looked like he could just dominate any lane. He looked like he was prepared to to be that factor in team fights, and it showed. He got a, a nice triple kill, almost quadra kill in the final set. Like he was ready to play. J Mac, you've been quiet. Do you have any thoughts? I think another thing that factors in with SK is along with them having like one of the best three v threes, is they also have one of the best defenses in the entire league. There, oh there are a few teams that can match their siege defense. Now, there are some teams that will have a better offense than them, just outright. But as far as the defense goes, they've had some of the best defense I've seen in an, in the SPL. While it didn't necessarily come into a factor that game, I think that that is what's helped escalate them throughout the season, throughout placements, and then up into Worlds as well. Is they, I mean, it played into a factor in their grand finals game where they had phenomenal defense they were able to hold back rival and then rival makes uh, you know a oh hey let's try and go you know base race them and that didn't work out very well because there's five of them and two of you it's never going to work out in that instance um but i think transitioning into what changed between game one and two is that they finally were able to get to venenu is the big thing you know when you have a god like rto rto locks down so much uh, of what SK wanted to do. They picked a lot of gods that have to rely on a, some kind of mobility to get in and get to the carries. You know, you have when you have an Achilles, Achilles has to double dash or blink to get in to get to the carries. You have Thor who needs to hammer in to get to them. You have uh, an Athena who has to nine times out of ten blink or dash initiate. They had an RTO to lock that one down. The crippling field people still underestimate how damn good that ability is. Game number two, they switched to the Xing Chen. What's Xing Chen gonna do? They got banned. RDO got banned yeah. in game two. Well, yeah, yeah. RDO gets banned. They make you know SK makes that adaptation saying, damn, this RTO just kind of destroyed us. You know, this RTO obliterated everything we wanted to do to him. Splice gets pretty much almost the exact same team minus their sideline. Instead of the RTO, it was the Xing Chen, and instead of the Isis, it was, you know, the Freya. SK rethinks what they want to do. They come in with a much, much stronger composition. They give Zapman the Morrigan. You know, they give, you know, and they just adapt to it. They say, okay, well, now you don't have this lockdown protecting your mid lane Venenu. Now you don't have anybody to help out this, this big carry factor that you had in game number one. They shut him out game number two. Game number three, I'm just going to leave it as, as much as I love Vulcan, Vulcan <laughs> is poo-poo. And people need to stop playing Vulcan. Yeah. Because Vulcan is doo-doo. He is. People, I love Vulcan too, but he is not good right now. He he is bad. He needs a full composition working around him to really make him work. But in the early and game... And that's not what S, or Splice does. No. That's not what Splice... Splice don't play around Venena. And, and one thing I will say is he does have a pretty good 3v3, aside from the fact that Turret is like one of the worst things in the game in 3v3, because once you get past like level 9, 10... 
you one-shot the turret because you're never maxing out turret on Vulcan anymore. This is not the old days where you put all your points into turret by the time you hit level 9. It's not happening anymore. And because of that, Vulcan is a two-ability god in the mid lane going against something like a Merlin or whatnot, where a Merlin is a four-ability god or a six-ability god technically because three stance switches that he, can, that he can access at any time that he needs. Vulcan is a non-factor in almost every game that we've seen him. We saw it last year with Paul. Paul kept playing Vulcan. And what happened? Mm-hmm. Jack all. Nothing. Vulcan is an extremely niche pick right now, and there are very few players that I would like to see on that god, and Venenu is not one of them. Venenu has never historically been You know, that the Vulcan only player. combo that I would, like, the only p- reality that I would l- be excited to see a Vulcan is if we had... You know, the old stomp lane of Vulcan ADC and a Wheelix support. That's the only re- that's the only time I'd be like, I like Vulcan here. <laughs> I think I think Vulcan ADC is the only time I would like to see Vulcan. I think Snoopy's Vulcan ADC is the only time I'd like to see Vulcan. Sno- Snoopy is one of those players I was mentioning that I would he, if he picked Vulcan, I'd be like, It's Snoopy. I'm not gonna question this man. This is <laughs> yeah, one of the exactly. few you can't question This it. is one of the few tried and true Vulcan players that we still have left in this league. There aren't very many of them left. And and, and I think Vulcan ADC is about the only last place I would like to see this god if he gets picked up. And again, only right. in certain hands. Stop picking Vulcan. I don't think necessarily that. That was the only factor, but there was nothing to help out in their 3v3. There was nothing to help get Cyclone further ahead because it's a Vulcan. He has one of the worst ultimates in the game to reliably hit. I mean, even the Serpent of the Nine wins hits better than Vulcan ultimate. You know, give Cuckoo ult, give an Isis ult, you know, a raw ult even. I take a raw over I take a Vulcan at this st- at this stage. Um, but definitely Venenu having zero presence in game number three. Trying to have a presence in game number two, but not quite there because there was no one to really protect him this time around. I think that the lack of protection game three, the lack of a real pick game three, and and I think kind of the story of Ven is Ven hasn't really been the big hitter that Looking he used to be. at pick bands and for that final game, like I'm like, what could Ven have played differently, right? Because you have... As far as like mages go, Hell, Isis, Persephone, Poseidon, and Kukulkan all banned, and then Paul got Merlin, right? So what's available? One of the strongest Dragon, meta Dragon. picks is Toth, Toth, whatever you want, however you want to pronounce it. Toth, yeah. Why? And Vin can play him. And Toth, imagine Thoth into Thor and Horus. You have set up for day again. This goes back to just like teams being out coached every time they lost, and like out coached by themselves. Like they just it it. And f- this was a very frustrating world for me to watch. A hundred percent. Uh, all right. So SK move on in their winter trek to play renegades um i know there's some controversy around not only this set but a couple of sets where there was some computer issues some frame rate issues this is the one that that seems to be the most uh controversial other than well the dig rival set is also pretty controversial 
I don't want to talk too much about that because I still think SK came to play in this set. They were prepared. They looked ready. I think the Renegades were not prepared to see SK. Uh, and I think they they weren't ready for the picks that Paul and Neil and um, Sam are going to pick. And that's where they needed to be prepared. Uh, go ahead. I think the... I think the big mistake, and it's not even a mistake, I think one of the biggest factors that SK has going for them is they have two hard carries that come through, and you have to basically pick out which one do we want to ban, and it always seemed to answer towards Paul. They always were banning Paul. Every game, just about with every set they played, it was always focus Paul. Don't let Paul have this. Don't let Paul have that. But people kind of forgot that Sam exists. And Sam has a not I'm not gonna say Sam has a huge god pool. I would say he has like four to five picks that he does really well on, and then the rest he just kind of is okay. He has Thor. It seemed like everybody was just re okay with taking away his Thor and giving him whatever else he wanted. Exactly. Because once you strip the Thor away, then you're looking at Hoonbots, Pele, Erlong Shen are like the three next gods that I throw onto Sam. Yeah, and Susan too, though. Those are the four. Yeah. Rat. Throw which one? A rat. Uh, not as much for Sam. It is a good god, and Sam is good at it. it. But if I'm talking, if somebody sat down and said, "I want you to name the five gods that define Sam for soccer," I'm saying Thor, Pele, Erlong, Shen. Uh, I, I mentioned the other two just a moment ago. Uh, I'm Humbats. Hunbats and Susano. He has yeah. been playing Susano since release. He was playing it in AVGL back in the college seasons. It was banned away from him consistently. He was playing Hoonbots consistently. That was banned away. Thor has always banned a ban away. And Last Worlds, Pele and Erlong Shen, not just because they were also top picks, but they were also specifically away from Sam for soccer because he hard carried on those gods last year. Those five gods, you can't ban all of them away. It was always a pick your poison. They always banned away Paul. And I think that people just forgot that Sam is so good on a small group of gods that while you can't ban him, you can try and narrow him and force him into a different pick or force him into a specific pick and then try and counter against that one. You know, how do you counter against your Erlong Shen? You make it to where Erlong Shen can't dive into the back line. How do you focus? You know, Thor's the, you know, one of the harder ones. You just kind of pick Thor. You know, that's kind of the staple that everybody was doing. You know, Pele, she has, you know, the early snowball into the late game. Well, just make sure that this Pele can't get to the back. It's basically just make sure that your mid lane is protected and Sam was a much less of a factor. You know, you can let your side lane die a little bit. You can let, you know, the carries die. Who cares? You know, carries always still get their farm faster than anybody else. But if you protect your mid lane and keep Sam from being able to destroy your mid lane and keep your side lane from, you know, saying, you know, from being like fed the, or, you know, from feeding the entire game, you've effectively worked out Sam. The problem is nobody fleshed out taking out Sam for soccer. They were always fleshing out, okay, keep Paul off these. Don't, don't let Paul have hell. Don't let Paul have Uller. Don't let Paul have, you know, whatever, whatever else but they want to throw into. But didn't actually do that because let's look at the god gods Paul played in this SK Renegade set. Merlin, 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 Merlin. Merlin. I think people forgot how good Merlin is, and they just kept forgetting no matter how hard it beat them into their Let skulls. I think people were just way over worried about the hell. Like, yes, he played hell in the finals and looked hot. 
I think that was more of Paul just putting out. I think that was just Paul getting his frustrations out of everything that happened in game one in the finals, which we won't go into any of the controversy of that. I think the best thing to do is say, just wait until the statement is released on what happened in that first game. Just wait for that. We won't go into the discussion on that. I think that that game specifically was just Paul wanting to go off. Like Paul was fed up with what was happening. He lost his Merlin after the remake. So he said, you know what? Screw it. This is what we're doing instead. And he just decided to play out of his mind. Now, Paul has historically been a, a player who has a, what I call the, the three God hard carry, which he had Hell, Habwa, and Freya. Give him one of those three gods two, three years ago, and he's carrying every single game. But it was pretty much you play against his team and you ban one of those two and pray to God they don't think about picking the other one. This season was literally just, okay, yeah, Paul's playing Merlin and he's carrying every game he's playing on it. Maybe we should ban it. No, 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 man. He had that one hell game like like four weeks ago. Don't let that happen, man. Okay. Instead of picking around the hell and banning the Merlin, he's kept banning the hell. Really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, and then Belair gets to play Achilles basically the entire tournament. Oh, my God. I I just, I don't understand the thought process. I, I think one of the biggest blunders uh, of this entire set was Funball on the whore, uh, on the Jean-Cui. I mean, I get that you're taking something away from Morgan to transform. I just don't, I think that's, that is a combine and below level strategy. Oh, Morgan, we're going to pick Jean-Cui because this is good here that like uh, it's it's that that mentality of like oh they got jumps we're gonna do a wheelix but like the rest of our team no 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 we're doing a wheelix right like that's that's the kind of level i i hated that it just didn't do anything they didn't have the right follow-up they did they needed a they needed burst damage and they just didn't have it um and then i also like the reliance on the persephone that was awkward i don't think funball had enough experience on it quite frankly um i think that's where having dardas only play hunters really hurt them um what i would have loved to see is i think renegades had one of the best team comps like um in an ideal world when they were playing uh haramid and jingwei uh carry and then they were just running stuff that was gonna be able to dive um in their jungle their uh support and their solo because the self peel and the escape ability of both the jingwei and the hera means that they could sit in the back line and do whatever they want and if they get dove they just kill whoever dives them and they never once went to that i don't think they ever lost a game when they played that combo and then to not bring it out at all on the world stage when it was so uh dominant also funball never playing the poseidon again like there were so many picks that I was like, why, why, if my back's against the wall, why don't I look for this? If I'm Raffer and they give me the ability to play Horus, I play Horus because I've looked dominant on that pick all season. It, it felt so weird. It felt, I think there was a bit of a tilt factor because of what was going on with computers and everything. And then they just kind of got worked up and weren't thinking uh clearly about what they need to get done and i just i just feel like teams gave sk the win by giving them achilles and merlin every game it, it 
even when like your first pick just if you want to get rid of paul then get rid of paul don't let him have the merlin pick that away fun balls played the merlin he knows how to do it he's looked good so make i mean what does paul go there if he can't go merlin realistically what other mid does he play raijin raijin uller raijin if you ban uller hell what else what was what was the three band before they started banning Persephone. So Uller, Persephone. Hell, Persephone, and then you pick the um, the Merlin. So you're going to give him Raijin. I think Raijin... I, I don't think Raijin is a good pick for Paul because it doesn't do enough immediate damage. His ult is prolonged damage. It, it, it's, it takes a while for it to all come out. And I think that's what you want to put on Paul. You, I think I give Paul Raijin every single game he wants it because it delays what he can do. Just inherently, the, the like the timing of the abilities, and I don't know, like that the the giving Paul Merlin every game. He also has Habois, so I, but I think I, I I'll take a Habois if I'm. No, I'm if not I'm Cherry on Raffer, I'm sorry. Give me Habois in the mid lane so I can blow it up. Blink two from the Horus on top of a a Serket being there, a Neja being there, a Kali being there, whatever. But note, but notice the comp the uh, the compositions that come out when Paul does get the Hellbot. It's never just we pick five like hard damaging gods, whatever, no peel, nowhere, whatever. Have fun, Paul. They do pick a much more support oriented draft around the three v three, so they can allow for him yeah. to get to that late game. They pick things like Neil Thor, usually Athena, plays like a Kepri like, or a Geb, like and yeah, and Thor, Athena, Kepri, Geb. Uh, they you know, Neil changes his play style when Paul gets Hellbot because he knows. That Paul will okay. hard so, carry on that god. Again, and he needs I take that every time that because then what SK is doing is conceding early game. They're giving you space. They're giving you room to work with. And I think Renegades does really well with that. Like it's the, that's the reason. So like if you look, if you look at like the the Dig rival set, the one of the biggest reasons why Dig lost is because they gave rival way too much space to operate in the early everything. game. Literally so if everything. SK then open up the early game just a little bit more for this renegade squad i think they take it they run with it and they stomp sk uh, there were so many things that were just like really awkward about compositions and decision making that i i just don't understand i would love to be able to sit down with coaches and players and be like i i want to i want to know like why certain things were happening and i think like because it, it, it being an armchair analyst, right? There's so many things that you're seeing that you're like, why aren't they doing this? But, you know, between scrims and everything like that, you, there's a lot of stuff going on behind these things that you don't really know. All right, let's move into finals. Um, we've been... SK somehow beats the top... Two of the top three teams to make it to the finals. They come up against Rival. We're not going to talk about game one because something occurred. It will be in uh, a final format. Uh, Cooper has already announced that he's going to be releasing something official uh, in the next couple weeks, so be prepared to look for that. Um, we're... Rival sweeps their side of the bracket. Sweeps. And... I was very surprised that they come into this and lose game one. They lose game one like three different times. I don't, J Mac, 
I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to say that they lose game one just because of SK. I want to say again, we won't discuss too much into it, but I think all of the nonsense happening in the first one threw everybody's rhythm off game. It threw everybody's yeah. pacing, everybody's mentality kind of got shifted. And I think because of that, SK came out on the better end of it because now that Persephone is no longer something that has to be worried about being banned, they say, okay, well, now we can take Paul's Merlin away. Instead of worrying about a Persephone ban, we just, you know, ban a Merlin or something like that. They leave the hell open. They do the the cardinal sin of going against Paul and Merlin, or not Paul and Merlin, Paul and Hell. They do the cardinal sin of, let's just leave Hell alone for 25 mm -hmm. minutes. You don't do they that. They kill her once. They killed once. her once. Yeah. That was it. One time. Yeah, if Hell doesn't have six deaths on her slash line by 18 minutes, and Paul's Hell at that, Paul's just going to run shop. They, they killed her once and traded out. Like, they gave up Twig for a kill on Paul after Paul already had a kill. Yeah. No. My biggest issue that I see with so many teams that go against Hells, uh, maybe not at the pro level, but just in general, when there is a Hell in the game, you don't just let Hell free farm. It happened in placements, and that's why people were banning it, because of the one game in placements where Paul got Hell and literally got to free cast for 25 minutes in the game and went untouched. You can't just let Paul play hell and just let him play the game. Mm -hmm. You have to focus him down. I think that was a big factor in game one was all the nonsense and then the fact that it just, they allowed I, it to happen. They just let Paul play the game. I also think compositionally, the Ama on PBM doesn't fit. I don't think that's a PBM god. I think you want him on something that can be more aggressive, more or that harass more. I mean, you like it because, uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it had that much synergy with the Isis to begin with. I mean, if you pick uh, Ama support, you're looking at more immediate burst damage from your mid, right? So that's why you always you traditionally see like the Poseidon come out, right? Because then you you, you use your ult, you stun somebody, and then you crack in them and they're dead. And those are short enough cooldowns where you just do that on repeat, right? traditionally you do that when they have a support that you can abuse on that i just don't think that the ama pick made a lot of sense here i i, I don't like that they put final k on thor every game it, i i want to see him on a warrior um that just it it felt like rival went away from everything that they had been doing up to this point they stopped being super aggressive in, in in the early game their pathing was weird they didn't they were taking different fights than they had been all uh all worlds long and then even like in the final weeks of the split right uh this was a very unrival rival game and sure some of that comes from them being tilted right but I think ultimately their game plan, I think they got caught off guard with what they were able to put in their comp. Like, oh, oh, we can get Ama and Isis and Thor? Uh, what, what, what do we do? We can't let any of those picks through. Let's just pick them. And then they were trying to figure out where to go. And I think part of that too is like, Twig is a great utility jungler. I mean, that's kind of his branding forever. I would have rather him have the, honestly, would have rather the Ama went solo, the Erling went support, and the Thorgon jungle. I think that would have been an infinitely better team composition. 
because you've got Isis and Thor ults coming down on you in the mid lane, and then you've got Erlong. That three v three of the th uh, that just sounds so much better in my mind. I actually really like that comp too. I think it just came down um, to they saw how well Final K throughout the season performed on the Hell or not the Hell the uh, the Thor, and they were just like, you know what. He's a good Thor. He might, you know, whether he's better at Thor than Twig is another discussion. It's not something that we need to go into or what they or even what really matters. I think it was another case of Sam is a hard carry Thor player. Thor is really good. We have two people on our team who can play Thor. Let's just grab it no matter what, because then we can figure out what to do from there. I think that their initial thought was never always put fine. Okay. On Thor. I think it was, let's get Thor and see where the rest of the draft goes to know if we need to give this to Twig and, or Fine. And I think every single time they thought that Fine was the one who needed it when, in some cases, it should have probably gone over to Twig or maybe just banned outright. Yeah, I agree. I think they could have banned it a little more effectively and let try to take the Merlin or tried to take something else from um, Paul. Or the ban the Achilles, that would have been nice to take. Because Final K I had bet one of Final K would have loved to take that away. <laughs> Final K had one of the best Achilles mm -hmm. in the league all season long. I, agree. I don't understand why he never played it. I was so infuriated by that more than anything else. Is that Final K and Belair are probably the two best Achilles players in the league, and they were fine with Final once. K never just allowing to get you know literally a game where he ran a quadra kill on it. Like he got yep. a quadra kill mid season yep. on Achilles. He. He had entire sets and weeks where he was just playing Achilles because, yeah, I'm good at this god. I'm, like, really good at this god, and I hard carry on this god, so just give it to me. And teams are like, okay, here you go, fine, okay, have Achilles. And this set we come down to, I'm like, yes, this is going to be an Achilles showdown. Who's going to get the Achilles? Who's going to get it? It's like, oh, okay, Belair. Okay, right. Belair. Belair. Okay, Belair. Belair. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Oh, Looking nope, okay. after, after game one, yep. what I was impressed with, like, I think the compositional changes from game one to game two were immense, right? And then I think game two, Rival went back to like, hey, let's be us, right? Doesn't that sound good, everybody? And everyone's like, yeah, let's do that. And they kind of just run over SK. You get PBM on the circuit enabling him to be really aggressive early and control the tempo. I mean, Final K uh, is given space and pressure, goes 7-0 and on the Thor. There's so many things that get set up. You know, you got the Neethult and everything like that. And they just really run through that game and reset the tempo. And I think... Go ahead. I think... I think historically speaking for Rival, they have won their games through the side lanes, especially through Final K. And when Final K doesn't get to go off, the rest of the team starts to slowly falter. A lot of that comes off of Twig supporting Final K, but also just the mid lane. Like you said, we had the Neath that came through and was supporting a lot of damage and a lot of setup kills for Final K. As much as I don't, you know, as much as I hate being the guy, you know, the toot the horn of, you know, a single player on the team, I think that Final K's performance throughout, every, th throughout the entire season has been one of the running factors for the rival squad. And when they weren't giving him gods that he could do that on every single game, it really did show that there was some weakness across the board for Rival. Yeah. I 100% agree. But I, I, I do think SK, 
first of all, their defense in game three was what won the game. A hundred percent. They eat on the, on the, the quote unquote desk, the lounge, whatever they called it. When they re- reviewed how that game went, they literally said, or I think totally was on the, on the, the chair there and said, defense wins championships. And you know what? That game won yeah, that 100%. set in my opinion. If they don't get that, yeah. if they don't get that, that defense into the base race into killing panda cat at literally at their titan with the titan having what less than a quarter of health they they don't win that set i think rival get that game come back game four and look strong and have all this momentum going into game four and stomp i think rival lose the set because of that amazing third game easily you you, there's no coming the tilt factor after that after a 40 minute game and then losing because you don't know how to you know target prioritization because you got too excited there's like there's no as soon as that happens like oh sk are winning worlds like there's no coming back from that whatever they would comp there's nothing you could there's nothing you could say to a player that takes away the sting of like you know you made this one mistake and it cost you the game like that's not getting out of their heads I, I guarantee if you talk to any of those players about like their world's run uh, and like their loss, like they're going to point to that game and they're like their biggest, their biggest regret is like just not staggering their damage, staggering the backs or who they were putting their damage on like that. They threw at Titan. They had the game. That's almost as bad as well. Who was it? J Mac? Uh, I know you'll know the Sobek game. When the Sobek's more important than Titan. Oh, that was um our that yep. was our modern yep. rival last year. That's that's <laughs> what it felt like, it, and I was just like, oh, are you are you kidding me again? At the same time, I, Panda did get heavily poked before he even got to the Titan room. Yeah, he got hit with a with a wall double tap that took him down over a third of and his health. And they should have backed. And at that, why didn't they back? At that point, that should have been the call. Okay, I have no way to make my way in there, and I think he did have mm-hmm. an Aegis available. But he had the Kepri with him, and he popped it so. And not only that, I don't think they had the Kepri ult available. He got a big though. ass body yeah. though. Uh, but yeah. Rising Dawn, Rising you just Dawn, back and defend. Like Rising Dawn would have been something. I, I think when you get hit by that double tap, yeah. you just leave. You just say I can't, yeah, I can't take and that, and I'm out. Because they forced you, three players you, back. They forced uh, two yeah. or three of the players back. Only two of them went to the Titan. At that point, they stopped. Yeah, Paul and Bel Air won that game. Yeah. At that point, you take that double tap and say, "Oh crap, we can't handle that. We need to go back now." You know, Sam probably wouldn't let them leave at that point, but Sam was at a max range double tap, so there's no way he can continue the chase. At that point, you even just leave the Kepri and say, "Hey." You defend here. I'm going to go back to base because there's no way Paul and Belair can stop a Merlin at you know at this stage of the game. I'll, you know, there's no way just those two can stop the it Merlin. Was so bad, so bad to watch. But they can. Um, I, I don't know slop, why you, that that you that was one of the wall. sloppier things we've seen in a long time. That was that was a case of they knew what they wanted to do, but they just mm-hmm. they, yeah. they saw red tunnel vision. They saw red in that yep. instance. Yeah, the both team. Well, I can't say both teams because you know there was obviously a player advantage by numbers for the side of SK. SK is like, okay, you guys keep doing this. We're mm-hmm. gonna do this over here. Tunnel vision comes through, pops in hard for rival, and I think after that, after the long delay of game one, a grueling, you know, even a pretty good beatdown, and then forty minutes into game three, you just want this game to end. You get a little overzealous. You take a little bit too much. 
and it just comes back and it's dished right back to you. Um, I think that that 100% was basically just SK or rival saying, yeah, that's yeah. We can't win worlds after that. You know, tilt themselves, whether, whether they tilt themselves or not, you know, whether people want to say, Oh, they got tilted after that one. When you lose a 40 minute game like that, it's hard to come back from that one. Not even just 100%. tilt. It's a, it's a mental thing of just like, I can't believe we just made that kind of a play. Like that's not like us. And how do we recover from that? And in that short amount of time, you can't really come up with that big of an answer. But for the fact that, and a lot of credit does go to Slaney throughout this entire season. For his first time, like making a big season, like a big coaching team, like having that powerful of a team to coach and getting them that far for his like real first season, hands down to the man. He He put together a hell of a oh, squad. But at the same time, Bringing in Chuckles, like, on the side of SK, the man is insane. Like, 100%. <laughs> I, what I just want to give all the credit to all the coaches that have been in the league this year. Can you talk about bomb how... has been... Uh, just one quick moment. The three biggest coaches that came in this season were all OCE players. Yep. Biggie, Rowe, Chuckles. Chuckles. All three OCEs, all three hella deserving of it if there's one thing that oce they may not have been mechanically strong but they knew Very how to put together comps and they knew how to put together rosters and coach those players they are insanely good at what they do major props to them and i want to give yeah give credit to all the coaches slaney did an amazing job kabam has done great things with splice um uh, Kassir came into that Obey roster that had some struggles early, but looked a lot better at the second half. Like all the coaches have sh- shown great things for their teams. Um, I I don't want to cut this short, but I know LHS has some prior engagements that he's got to get ready for. So I want to get your thoughts on the the season seven changes before we go. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about for the world's bracket before we move on? I yeah. think we've pretty much hit everything that we that we can without going into too much further detail. Without spending another <laughs> twenty minutes on. Exactly. All right. So season seven changes were announced earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, well, actually, technically, it was last week because this will go out Wednesday. Um, they are officially going to eight teams. The format is completely different. I'm not going to go over every little detail because it's a lot more complicated. But it seems to be something that a lot of the players are interested in running. Um, So that's good. Uh, But they have done a lot of changes on the, the amateur aspect of this and into the, the minor league teams. It's no longer SML. It's called challengers. Yep. Challenger circuit. circuit, And then open circuit back to the old school name. And then, yeah. And then open open circuit circuit. replacing the combine. Exactly. So, First things first, every single person I see on Twitter is very complaintive of the 18 I'll start on that. Drop. Oh, oh if you want to go first, yeah, go. I, I just I just I just have to get this out. Personally, I love it. The one thing that I am concerned about is that we will continue to have this old mm-hmm. boys oh, yeah. club, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's a hockey reference. Yeah, it's the old boys club might dominate this, and that is very scary because there are a ton of a ton. If you look at placements and you look at some of these up and coming teams, there's a ton of great talent that is coming up and looking really good. 
Um, all of Sanguine have showed that they deserve spots. All of the hype unit boys, both teams look like they deserve spots. There's a ton of young talent in this this community that deserves shots at teams at least. I think if they combine the two like the best aspects of both those hype unit squads, I think they have a really strong team. <laughs> so like I I think if you I merge don't disagree if you. you if you merge hype unit together between their console and their SML, they have a pretty so, formidable team. Counterpoint to you saying there's so many teams that look good, right? We're saying that because the top amateur teams beat the bottom worst pro teams. And I think that's inflating a lot of people's opinions on teams. I, I've said this before. I don't think that any any SML team does as good or better than Obey and LG in the Pro League across this year. I don't think Sanguine finds wins. Oh, no, no. I don't think... I simplicity finds wins realistically uh it's they're overinflated because they got to beat up on an obey roster who really relied on anybody but weekend showing up and then they got to beat up on lg who at best could win through some really funky strats and pathing and like the way that they just play the game and I'm going to throw a counter-counterpoint to that. When you look at the minor league, what fucking competition is in the minor league to put those guys at that level, though? When you look at, and, and I will be honest, there was a lot of bad competition in the minor league. There was a lot of not-so-good, and then you had the very tippy-top. I think if you give some of those minor league teams, like Sanguine, maybe Sanguine Simplicity, uh, Out Cold because of namesake on Out Cold, more than anything, when you put those guys back at the top end of competition and, and putting them against those better. pro teams, they're going to get better. The problem that 100%. I saw with Obey LG was they had people that were at the co top level of competition for so long, and they weren't better. They stagnated. And I think that one of the big I, things that I want to see moving into next season is for the love of God, break up this SSG roster. It needs to please. go. They may it have showed up in the last few uh, the last few of their sets. In my opinion, it needs to go. Something has I, to change. I got I got to jump on this this point for for JMac. I 100% agree that that specifically that roster needs to break up. But also there are a few players in this league who have been pulled and pulled and pulled up and up and up and they're not holding their weight, and they're giving these shots over and over again, we can't have this old boys club anymore. If they are not performing... See, I, I would say them. that, too. If they are not showing up right? on, on a week And I week. think the argument and case would have been made for Weekend from going in from last year to this year, right? I think... Weekend showed up in the last split. I think I, Weekend I will not this deny year was has to been a top-five jungler. Yeah. Better I, than I think, yes. yeah, I agree. And I'll, I've been crucified by this every time I say it. I think Weaken was a better jungler than adapting this year. Hands down. That man I carried Obey. I think like not to wins, but like almost wins, but the rest of his team just didn't do anything. And then when finally like Moswell decided like, "Hey, I'm going to play Smite game for like 2 weeks and we're going to win." And then stopped. Like that, that's there's a there's a lot of those yeah. cases. Give me I would have said the same thing about Zatman. I think Zatman was carried a little bit last year he was 
he was integral to SK winning. Like they don't win unless he does Zapman things. He played his in like role. some really key corridor team fights in that finals round. Uh, you know, I would have said the same thing about Bel Air. So like, yes, old boys club, and I, I do agree. I think out of everybody, I think SSG needs to be looked at, and I think either they need to be broken apart, or maybe they, maybe we see Barra and Jeff in the challenger circuit. That's kind of a sacrilegious thing to say, but I know, right? I love Baron or, Jeff, but they just did not show that they deserve a spot. Or even more sacrilegious, what if we don't see Jeff and Barra? No, I hundred percent agree with that. Team? I think there, I would love to see Barra and Jeff. I would love to see Barra go off to an. I would love to see Barra go to Dignitas if that roster stays to Gara. Thank you. That's I would what I was love say. to see Barra go to that team. I would also love to see. Uh, I I think you have to break up Trix and Cubo. I think those. I don't think they can win a championship together. So if I'm if if I'm rearranging and everything, Trix and Cubo need to split. I I love both. Of them I together, trade but. Twig and Cubo, and then I put Barra on the 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 dig roster. So your new roster would be. Barra, Tricks, um, Hurry, Twig, and Variety. And I think that roster is so much stronger. And then I think if you if you put Cuvo on Rival, that team just gas pedals forever. I don't know. Like that's that's what I would do if I'm if I'm if I'm rearranging. But it's hard because you've got the friendships, you've got synergy. But I think, I think for the betterment of like the leagues and teams, we need to see less I, of I people like who have been together forever and never won. I, we need to see them break up. I legitimately think SSG only did as well as they did because of the way that the meta shifted and what those players already play. Think about it. Hunter yeah. mid became huge. So what did they do? They threw Barracuda into the mid lane and just let him play hunters. What also happened? Assassins in the duo lane became so prevalent. What did we do? We threw our mid laner Andy, who used to be a world-class jungler, in the duo lane to let him play Assassins. The meta is the only reason. And what's funny is because I called them meta chasers the entire season. The one time they catch up to the meta, they can adapt to it because it's just a case of, oh, well, we don't need our mid laner to learn hunters because... You know, whatever. Or we don't need our dual lane to learn assassins because they already know them. So let's just flop their roles yeah. over real quick and let them do that instead. The one time they don't have to chase the meta, it worked for them because they understood and improv and adapted to what the meta was. But it took them how many weeks of competition to do yeah, that? Absolutely. Too long. Too long, yeah, I, I think. And I, I agree a thousand percent on the Smite Boys Club. It's the reason that Sam didn't get to play as soon as he did. Because Forever. Forever. It was egregious. And the same thing with it took so long for Final K to get onto a big team. Boys Club, not understanding. I've been watching Final K since fall of 2016. Destroy people. And only took until 2019 for them to go, Ah, hell, he's actually pretty good, isn't he? You can ask LHS. Been preaching Final K's yeah, name no. for fucking eternity. And he finally gets on a good team very, and they don't give him what sad. he needs to carry at the very end. Very sad. Very sad, boys. So, But season seven... So we talk, we're driving this point home. <laughs> season seven. 
I like the idea. Now, teams may not like the idea because they're like, oh, well, that's taking 10 players out who probably could have. There, I can guarantee there were 10 players in that league that can be replaced that weren't necessary in that league. And I guarantee there's another probably 10 to 15 players who can be replaced with better players to make this these eights I better. I would like to see 10 because 10, 10 teams means more games, more names, more faces. But I think that there were 20 to 25 players in that league that can be replaced with Ooh. somebody else that can make that a better league. And one of the points that they made in their post was this allows them the opportunity to see how eight teams go. And if the competition in the challenger circuit is so high, they can add another two teams easily. It is hard to go from 10 to 12. It is easier to go to start at eight and work your way up. Yeah. And also adding 12 is just a ridiculous number of teams. I'm being That's real. That's crazy. I see. I don't think there's that many SPL quality players right now. Like even there is one support player outside of the SPL that could play in the SPL. Genetics. One. And it's genetics. Yeah, That's it. Inbound. You I inbound? Inbound's playstyle would get him screwed in in SPL. I think. I think it would take inbound a year. I agree. At least to because he wants to do a roar and kneel type things, but I don't think he's quite I think, there. I think once he realizes think, he's not at their position and he is more oriented towards the kind of supportive style, because that was his big fault at last Worlds, was they try, kept trying to put him on the high execution aggro supports, where when he played the more traditional stuff, he worked out a lot better for him. I think that inbound has it if he has the team funneling behind with him. Maybe yeah, I, I, think, I can see that. I can see. It. I, th I, just, I think the merged hype unit would make a would could make an SPL team. Maybe not a top SPL team, but they could definitely make a make a strong standing on on that lower end of it compared to some of the other ones. They, I think they can at least take down what was LG Obey and SSG. I think that merged hype unit oh, takes I, down I those agree. three. Maybe after eight months. Mm, I don't think it. Takes I think eight. I don't think it takes uh, eight. Which. Which which hype unit jungle is layers? Layers. I'm taking layers. 100. Layers. Right. Layers is gonna take time. He's raw. He's gonna take a lot of time to adjust. He's gonna make a lot of months. mistakes. I, I do not think it takes eight three. months for layers to come through. I give him two to three at I most. I do. I think I think he has mm. all the the talent needed. I think he has a a good understanding of the game and how it plays out. I think there's some fine tuning that he needs, and I think he could do that in two to three months, like J Max said. I think if you go back and watch placement rounds. He's out of position a lot of the time. He's not farming efficiently. He's There's a lot of mistakes that he's doing and just the pace of the game. Again, we're not seeing him against top competition. So, And I know he was getting SPL scrims. Like, I know that for a fact. Oh, 100%. So I think it takes him, it takes him halfway through phase two to really start putting together consistent games. By latest phase two, I think. I, because you have this entire offseason to work to iron out those mistakes. So between this offseason and a full competitive season, I say at the latest. Right, phase. but then you got to factor in now he's in the SPL and now he's playing on LAN. Now he's having to adjust to the pace of the game. There's there's a lot of ins and outs that go through, and I just think I I don't think he comes in. I think he looks more like Sam when Sam first debuted, where he's not winning you the game, and he might cost you the game a couple points, but at best he's a non-factor. And I think that carries for a while until, but I mean, I 100% agree. I go with layers. 
I, I, I don't get me wrong. I go over layers over Mollusk because I think layers has the higher potential. Has the higher ceiling. Based off of what I've... And I don't know. I... I don't know. This is a weird hypothetical now. Yeah, we're like we we kind of like way off on hypotheticals. Rambling. Do you guys have any yeah. opinions about the new setup? Like, I know there's a ton of controversy about the money. I don't care about that. That's that's player controversy. Uh, for the challenge, I the only thing that I hate about Challenger and Open Circuit is that the Open Circuit team gets a pass into that's, the land for free. If that's the biggest thing I hate, yeah. I would rather see if they if they want to go that route, do a gauntlet of the bottom teams. Uh, bottom teams in the um, challenger circuit and the top team or two whatever in the open circuit and that makes it a little bit more fair i 100 percent agree that's that's my big pet peeve i love the fact that they went to this challengers circuit i love the open circuit i love the concept of it it promotes a lot more competitive play um but I know you got to go LHS. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to shut yourself out before you run off, and then I'll do all the closing stuff. J Mac, do you have any final thoughts about the the setup? Um, as far as moving into season seven, I think that a lot of the changes uh, on the on the lower end outside of SPL are gonna be talked about and discussed over the next few months. So I won't throw a, sol- a solid answer in because it's already showing that there's that discussion amongst the SML is making moves and possibly swaying some of the decisions through um as far as spl goes i think that this basically five round five round robin you know this quintuple round robin play is gonna definitely ensure a much better competition going into worlds even though i think that it was still pretty significant of what was already going to happen through um i think season seven is going to be the the best year of competitive by far and also thank god we're going back to weekend broadcast so i can actually watch the game thank god yeah right <laughs> thank god <laughs> all right boys um so lhs gotta run so i'm gonna give him a chance to shout himself out uh where can we find you lhs uh you can find me at zach lhs underscore i think is what i got now yeah zach lhs underscore uh twitch is I, i'm back to twitch now for season seven because i'm making it actually concerted run to get back in the community and the community doesn't live on mixer it lives on twitch so twitch.tv slash zach lhs there um and then you can find me around the battleground uh it's on spotify it's on itunes it's on everywhere you can get your podcast from uh, also on youtube uh where we put the vods on ugc events and then it's twitch.tv slash ugc and mixer.com slash ugc events we do that every week comes out on thursday live at 6 p.m eastern and then you know within the next day or so comes out on uh the vods with youtube and then we put it up on the podcast so make sure you tune into that we just did um i did like an hour and a half interview with Rathen. so i'm trying to expand outside of just um player interviews and trying to get more into some community stuff especially for the off season so come check me out and uh yeah that's it all right, LHS, thank you for stopping by. Um, I know you got to run, so I'm going to let you sneak out of here. Um, I'll, I'll send you some information about sending me your, your information. Um, but thank you for stopping by. All right, thanks for having me. All right, J-Mac, feel free to uh, give yourself a little shout-out. Where can we find you? Well, you can find me on my Twitter, at underscore J-Mac Tucker. Uh, I've, God, I've had to roll with that underscore for so long now because my – I I made the big dumb and people on Twitter who listen to this. If you ever get picked up by a team or an Ori and you're thinking, "Oh, I should add their, you know, their 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 acronym and their abbreviation into my Twitter handle." Don't don't do that. 
add it to the the you know the the playful name you can throw at the beginning because I made that mistake and I lost the original J Mac Tucker. So now I'm down to underscore J Mac Tucker, which is where you can find me on Twitter. Find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash J Mac Tucker. I have a mixer, but I don't stream on mixer. The only other place that I stream on outside of my channel is the 20, uh, not 24 hour, but the, you know, the whatever community stream that you want to call it on Smite Game on Mix and Twitter, on Mixer and Twitch. I stream there on Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, that's pretty much the only streaming stuff that I do at the moment. I also. We're working on getting some of the AVGL college games streamed there. I think we're doing that Sunday evenings at like 5 or 6, at like 6 or 7 p.m., something like that, Eastern. Uh, usually it's myself and Fuzzy Wuzzy who are doing the casting for that. Other than that, I don't really do a whole lot much outside of those. Uh, I don't have a special Discord to shout out because I'm not going to try and read out a bunch of letters and numbers for people to join my Discord. Well, my Discord's all my all my other stuff, so go on there and follow me there, and then you can find my Discord. And I think that's about it. <laughs> all right, so um, because this is a normal episode, and we're not gonna go back to the regular hosts. I uh, I gotta wrap up everything. Um, as always, thank you WildMonkeyDesign.com for our fantastic logo. Um, if you need anything done, they do great work. They're easy to work with. Um, I love the guys. Sadly, our contract is coming up. So, uh, but we still support them. They're a great, co um, company to work with. Uh, also NCS, they are going to be giving you a hot outro as always. Uh, and then we have a couple patrons to shout out. Um, if you want to support us on Patreon, the link will be in the description, but it's patreon.com slash BOTG podcast. Uh, if you go to battleground of the gods, it will bring you to a different Patreon that is not ours. Uh, don't use that one. I don't know where it came from, but it's not ours. Uh, but our $20 and up patrons are Asbestos Dog, Baseball, Bombi, Lantern, Sir Embers, and Stofmeister. And then I have to graciously announce this $50 supporter. Audios, thank you so much for your, uh, your patronage. We appreciate your support as always. You've always been a great supporter of our community, and we... Love and support you as well. Um, so thank you for your $50 donation. Uh, last but not least, I have been your host, Willow1771. Uh, you can find me at all the places, doing all the things, um, at Willow1771. Um, find our Discord. We also have a Teespring if you're interested in merch. But thank you, as always, for stopping by and listening. Bye bye. Those medical pills are push me over. I kill my fill three times a day. These ethanol fuels won't make me so.
sing down. 